Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Yoo-hoo! Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 268 of Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the kooky planner nerd creatrix behind Kick-Ass Switch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio, where you will also find a link to someone I bet you already have a link to. The fabulous, the tarolicious, the magical Kellyanne Maddox is on the show today. Yay! <laughs> Hi, Kellyanne. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yay! Can I have a technical moment with you? A, a techie moment? An, uh, yeah. Do you hear like an ocean sound? Like a lot of static around what you're hearing? Or do I only hear that? I don't hear it. All right. We're going to let the ocean sound fly because we're literally talking across an ocean, people, to make this happen. So if you hear the ocean sound too, <laughs> then, hey, it just went away. What happened? Uh, I don't know. I moved slightly closer to the laptop thinking that might help matters. Oh, maybe it's maybe it's extra sounds, ambience. Possibly. Yeah, I don't know. It lessened a lot. But, oh, cool. um I really wanted to talk to you this month because I'm talking about all things planner nerd and I know that you're a planner nerd. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm guilty as charged. Yeah, and for me, I, I'm i a, a paper planner nerd. Like I have a date book every year, I live by it. I don't just buy them because they're cute and it's fun to decorate them with stickers and stuff, which is all true, but uh I, I use it all day long, every single day, and I think you're a little bit like that too. Yeah, totally. It's like my companion. It gets me through the day, and it keeps me company. It reminds me what I said I was going to do, and it makes me excited to do things because then I can tick them off, and then I get that feeling of satisfaction. So I feel like um, it's it's a companion. In fact, it's really weird that we should be talking about this because I'm actually not at home right now. I'm at my mum's, and I didn't bring my great big A5 Oracle Filofax because it's just too heavy to take on public transport when I've already got like loads of other stuff. So I don't have it. And like knowing I was going to do this today with you, it's been making me feel so naked without my massive file facts because I do have it all the time. Yeah, yeah, I drag mine around with me. That's why I don't like spiral bound planners. Like I bought, um, I'm very specific about the planners I use. I usually just use a moleskin. And one year, the first year that Danielle Laporte did her desire map planner, I was like, I'm going to try that. And I ended up customizing it because I have my own systems that I've used for years. So, but it worked good enough for that. And, um, but then the, the following year she switched to spiral bound and I was like, oh, I'm out <laughs> because they, it gets like dirty in your bag. Like things get stuck in the spiral and sometimes the, mm-hmm. I just, what, how, what's your feeling on spiral bound? <laughs> um, spiral bound. We're not talking about ring binders, are we? We're talking about no, spiral-bound books. Yours, yeah, okay. yours is a ring binder, and I want to ask yeah. you about that because this is a nerdy conversation. We need to get into nerdy details like yes. that. Yes, yes. Um, spiral-bound I like if I'm not taking the book anywhere. So all of my client notes are kept in spiral-bound. 
um, and they always have been. So I like them for, you know, my, my client notebooks are always kept by my tarot table and they don't go anywhere. They, I mean, one of them's come on a little adventure with me now because I'm working for my mum's, but mostly they just stay at home. For something as intimate and as well used and as well loved as a planner, um, that wouldn't be for me. I haven't used a spiral bound book for years and years for a planner. And also, if I was going to use a spiral bound book, it would have to be such good quality because so many spiral bound books are just bloody useless. You get them caught on one thing and the spiral just starts to come out at the top or come out at the oh, bottom. It's the worst. It's so bad. And you've got to sit there and mold it back into the hole. Yeah, and the, um, the pages rip out sometimes. And I'm just very, I don't know. I want to end my year and I want to have... I get, it's not a journal per se. I do write like notes and my feelings and things like that. But I like to look back. I like to be able to go get like 2008 and look at my planner and see where I was in my life. And so it needs to hold together all the way till December 31st. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely. I, I totally agree with you. Um, and I do think as well, you know, I've had a couple of disappointing, I'm thinking about it now, disappointing times with art planners that have been spiral bound. And one of them I've really been considering just abandoning and starting a new one because the bloody, like, it's just a nightmare. <laughs> the cardboard at the back's coming out because the spiral won't really stay in. And now we're having this conversation. I'm thinking to myself, why am I forcing myself to keep this thing till it it's done. I'm going to get home and transfer all the art into something a bit more sturdy. So thank you for that motivation. So what's the thing with the phyla? To me, Philofax sounds like that. That was the planner before I was a planner. Like when I was in elementary school and stuff, I know that was like the one that all the business people had. Um, <clears throat> but that's still a thing, apparently. Do other is that a thing? Is that like a trend? Yeah, it is. It is. Can you believe that? I couldn't believe it. Is there like a, com a community, you know, like there's a bullet journaling community and all of those people are really intense about their bullet journaling and they Instagram it. Is there a Philofax community? Yeah, there's there's a couple of hashtags like Philofaxing um, is a hashtag. Um, yeah, I guess if you look at like, if you started to type Philofax into the hashtags on IG, you could find more. But I don't really make IG into so much a place for my planning stuff i mean i don't know what i would i don't show sort of my planner setups and things like that because there's so much information in there about what i'm planning and my clients and stuff like that so um i feel it's quite intimate and quite a private place for me but of course i do love looking at other people's planner setups and you would go to kind of like filofaxing or filofax addicts or you know there's different hashtags but yeah i was really surprised filofax was still killing it in the planner industry um I really want to start to collect some secondhand uh, because I don't purchase any leather, but I wouldn't mind owning some secondhand ones that are leather. I'm not I'm not eked out by leather or anything like that, but I'm just a vegan, so I don't want to support it or buy it. Um, but I would like to collect some old leather ones because just because, you know what, just because it's Filofax and there's something about it to me that's so retro. It's such a throwback and I find that really awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, but of course they do not look like those big black bricks they had in the 80s. They've got <laughs> all kinds of sexy designs now and they're catering for the paper planning community and the crafting community. Like they know what is up. They've got their finger on the pulse. Of course, a lot of other people are, I wouldn't even say hot on their heels. I'd say there are other companies that are probably doing more business now. So they are competing for this 
niche but very obsessed market. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think I was born a planner nerd because when I was in elementary school in the 80s, you know, you'd see them in movies and TV shows and stuff. And I like, God, I wanted one so bad. <laughs> and then I got, I don't think it was Philofax, but it was something like that, a version of it. And I would say the first 10 years of me buying them, I didn't, I wasn't responsible. I was very like, goofy and flaky and I just liked I liked the idea of it <laughs> it, wasn't, mm. it wasn't until I like did that for at least a decade before I actually became like a true blue user and it's and started learning how it enhances your life it was more just like a cool idea in my head when I was a kid yeah I think I had a lot of that kind of thing with stationery it just felt good to me, it gave me a comforting feeling. I've always loved paper and writing and organizing and lists and pens. And those things have always given me a feeling of calm in, you know, in, in chaos. It's just like a little island that I can go and sit on. But definitely, yeah, there wasn't there wasn't any kind of order. There wasn't any kind of like, oh, this is what I'm using it for and this is how it's helping. Yeah, yeah. You're speaking my language sure mm. i think it's like all the possibilities too it's like the land of what could be and you and you sort of uh bringing magic into this i do think that writing is a sacred act or illustrating or doodling or anything like that because you're bringing something out of you know the ether or out of your mind and you're giving it a physical presence and I mm -hmm. feel like that can be the first step to making something a reality, like actually writing it down. And there's something about having a pen in your hand and a piece of paper that's quite different than typing on the Internet to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I definitely would say that for me, that is true. But I would definitely stress and hesitate to, you know, I'd, I'd like I'd be eager to stress, basically, that um, I definitely think it can be just as transformative to type. And I think for some people, that is their pen and paper. And obviously, there are conditions as well, like dyspraxia, cerebral palsy, carpal tunnel fucking syndrome, you know what I mean, that make it really hard for people to write. Uh, whereas typing is so much more where they're, where they're in their like comfy zone and their mode of power. So for me, it is definitely a personal thing. And like you said, it's so as far as I'm concerned, it's pen and paper. I would say the same thing. I think that other people derive their power from bringing things forth using language in different ways and that they have to use what's, what is best for them and what's most empowering for them. For me, yeah, it is absolutely pen and paper. Yeah, and audio too, which is so amazing that people can just dictate, um, people that, that can't use their hands at all even. Yeah, um, yeah, I love that. I guess because I'm a writer, I like to differentiate my worlds that way. I, I tend to write on my computer. I use Google Docs. And um, I have a long history with channeling and automatic writing, and it feels a lot like that. Like when I'm in the zone and my hands are just flying over the keys and I'm like, blah, 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 whatever I'm writing, a book, a newsletter, whatever it is. Um, so it feels like a different thing when I'm off in my like little planner nerd corner. Yeah. Oh, my God. I so relate to that channeling and typing like I'm one of those people that friends actually have videos on their phones of me typing because they wanted to film it <laughs> to show other people. There's quite a lot of people that have got like footage of me typing and it's just like unseen demons have taken over this bitch's hands. What is going on? Okay, that um, would be an amazing video to get all of those and do like a mashup and Kelly, <laughs> Kelly and <I'm> typing. <laughs> 
It really would be. But it is like channeling. And it, when I'm writing notes and stuff, like I did all of my notes for Self Love September on the computer because um, I just felt like I, it would be so much easier for me. I've got all the, I've got, of course, I've had the written list of what I wanted to make videos about, but all of the notes were typed on the computer so I could do it quickly, simply, print them out, and then staple them together and have the whole month's content to film. And there was a lot of channeling jazz going on there. Like I'd look back at the printouts and go, that's a good idea, but I don't think I had that idea. I think that idea came from somewhere beyond me. I think that idea came from the goddess. Like, but I'll put it in. That's great. Oh, yeah. That's the best stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you use your... I've seen people talk about this. I don't do this. But do you plan, like, your magic, your rituals? Do you actually, like sit there and write I don't know like how it's going to be and the different ingredients you need and maybe an incantation do you plan yeah I'm half and half I've always been about half scripted half spontaneous to be honest with you because um, I do think it's important to leave room for unscripted things to happen and I've noticed that some of the most powerful stuff that's come through and that I've experienced has come from just doing something random that seemed like it was the right thing to do at the time and just knowing in my mind that that made sense and what it was, uh, whether it was something I was saying or whether it was some gestures or an action that I was taking. So I want to have room for that to happen. I also sometimes um, have to sort of do what I think of as like hitting my knees where you just have to go to the altar and do something like some shit has gone down and you just need to go. And it's almost like. It, the altar just draws you or like the witchy mode of being draws you and you know you have to do something you haven't got time to sit down and decide how it's going to go and what the different sections of it are going to be and what moon phase you just know you have to do something and I feel like in those moments I need to feel like I've got complete freedom to do those things um, what I am more likely to do in the event of doing something spontaneous or something a bit more free-flowing is to sit down afterwards and try to make some rough notes of what I did um, and that is because with Spellcraft, of course, I like to have some sort of a record so I can decide decide for myself over time whether or not it's worked. So, but yeah, I mean, certain rituals I do pre-plan. Um, I really like pre-planning my Samhain ritual because I like to write an address to uh, my matron deity for the Samhain ritual. And it seems kind of weird to write this big, long thing that I'm going to read aloud to my matron deity and then have nothing else and have everything else be spontaneous so I kind of build a ritual around the address where I decide what I'm going to do and the order things are going to go in so I do enjoy doing that but I couldn't do that all the time for like every new moon or every ritual I do I wouldn't enjoy that yeah no I rarely I, I can count on one hand maybe not even all five fingers the times that I've done that I'm definitely I witch on the go and I just sort of have, I don't know, I just do what, what I feel in the moment. But I'm always interested that people do that and um, plan out, you know, kind of ceremonies and rituals for themselves. And uh, mm -hmm. if I use an incantation of some kind, it's one that I use over and over and over and over and over and over again. So there is a point where I write it down, but then it just becomes, I don't know, I just, I'm a creature of habit. Yeah, no, I hear you. And to be honest with you, I think that the words that I use the most often over and over again that I do not need to write down um, unless I have some symbolic or celebratory reason for doing so. The ones that are in my head, they're the most potent anyway. You know, I've got like prayers that I say to my matron that I've been saying since 2012. Why would I? What if it ain't broke? Don't fix it. 
Yeah, if, if people don't know who you are, um, hello, go to YouTube, look up Kellyanne Maddox. Uh, but who is your matron? I know your fans are like, they know, but maybe not everybody knows. Sure, yeah. My matron is Hell. She's the Norse goddess of the underworld. Um, obviously, there's a few different... There's like a few different kind of uh, ways to die in the Norse uh, traditions. If you're a warrior, you'll go to Valhalla. But she rules another realm. So she's not in Valhalla. She's in a, a dark, low, icy realm called Nephilim or Helheim, depending on what, what you're going with. Um, and she actually takes custody of the dead who die in old age or of sickness. Wow. Why? Why? Why, Kellyanne? Why you, because you've been doing this for years, so you started in your 20s probably working with her, is that right? Yes, yeah. What did a lovely young lady such as yourself find, like, what was the connection there? What was the, uh, going off script, not talking about mm. planner nerds. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just out of curiosity. Uh, I knew that, okay, so basically, I, I've just recently made a video about this that I'm going to upload soon about um, pantheists working with personified deity, but basically I was like this super uptight pantheist pagan who was like, I cannot work with personified deity, it doesn't make any fucking sense, it's not logical, it's just, it doesn't make any sense, right, it's silly, yep. um, it's like fish riding a bike, and I just couldn't go there, I was just like, no, it's just, but like it kept, it was just like as I started to to think more about experiences, difficult, hard experiences that I've had in my life only because I'm a woman for no other reason. Um, and I started to get into feminism and I started to realize different ways in which I had been disempowered personally or systematically. Um, and I started to think about what it means for me to be a woman and how the meaning of women is multidimensional and other people see that in different ways. And how do I see it? And is it OK to see it the way that I see it for me? I was having all this dialogue with myself. And of course, I was also getting I've been getting high on Jung since I was 15. So every so often I'd have a dose of Jung and I would think it does make sense to work with archetypes. They are dynamic. They are inside me. And every time I want a goddess, every time I want to look at that, at that, um, you know, spark of of energy or divinity it's only wanting to look in a mirror that's all it is it's not like i want to other this thing and say this thing now takes custody of me this thing now guides me it's about wanting to see a part within myself that i want to connect with and after a while i was just like do you know what fuck it i'm just gonna try it because it keeps calling to me i want to work with a goddess and I just feel like that is a part of my feminism and it's a part of my evolution and it will help me to contact within me powers that have been lying dormant. So I very sterilely went into it. I was like, well, I know I want a death goddess. Um, I know I want a goddess that is to do with shadow, is to do with stuff that we want to turn away from, is to do with stuff that we fear. And that, you know, sensibly, that would mean death. That's the most straightforward route. Um, and so I just started researching death goddesses and I researched for a couple of months. And then when I came across hell, it was like the way that I've described it in a former video is it was a little bit like I was turning the pages of a book really, really quickly, just sort of like nonchalantly absorbing information in a sort of half-assed way. And then I saw her and I sort of turned a few more pages and then something in me clicked and I went, hang on a minute, wait, what was that? And I like turned back. That's how it felt. And I was just like, I know you, I have met you before, you are a mirror of me. 
and that was it I was just like all right well I'm I'm ready if you are kind of thing and that was that was as sterile as it was but it got a lot less sterile as time went on yeah yes oh my gosh we really have a lot in common I always say that but you're talking about the papers and the pens and I'm like yes 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 all of yeah. that you're talking about not wanting to work with personified deity and then having this connection and and it's a mirror of something you have inside and I'm going yes 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 I had that yeah. experience very much with Athena and you do develop a relationship develops it's very strange I mean I guess it's you and you perhaps who knows I don't know but something starts working with you I've worked with Saturn now since last summer and some energy starts working with you like you get this back and forth going and lots of interesting synchronicities and I live for the mystery anyway so who knows what that is but it it it's a thing. I'm saying it's a thing. Yeah. And it happens. It's a thing. Yes. It's a thing, yeah. If I drove myself crazy trying to figure out the mechanics of that thing, I would not be having such a good time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm just having a good time, to be honest with you. I don't think I'm going to figure it out in my lifetime. But I know that experientially, I have proof of it. And I, and I don't feel the burden of proof when it comes to other people. Other people can think what they're like. It's not their path. And I'm not trying to make them follow it. But I know that for me, it is absolutely real. Yeah, it's, I love hearing other people's what they think it is. Um, but, you know, there's so many different opinions, and it's, it's just fascinating to kind of mm. get that conversation going. And we are definitely going to circle back to your Philofax because I want to, but you said something now that has triggered me into wanting to ask you something. I have um, this queen program that I created this year, and I'm relaunching it for 2018 for... Mm women that want to have 2018 the year of the queen and you have you just mentioned hell being I, ha, I did not know this about her being um you said something about the icy realm and you have this new reading that you're doing called the snow queen mm -hmm. and you used to be the four queens so I knew I wanted to ask you about that but I want to like the is hell a part of this the snow queen reading because you you're talking about like a lot of different archetypes within this idea of the snow queen, right? Like, um, mm -hmm. icy witchy figures. Yeah, for sure. I think that, um, the, when I was designing it, the main person that I had, uh, in mind was the white witch from Narnia. Um, and I feel like afterwards it only became apparent to me that there were themes, you know, that were to do with, uh, a sovereign woman that that does run her own shit and has her own place like the thing I like about hell is she never married she never had children um she was in a dire circumstance and Odin was like you know you can't stay here because you're a product of Loki and that's uh, just not going to be good for us um but uh, I don't know I guess he took a shine and he was just like you can have your own place I'll give you a job I will give you a responsibility I mean, in a way, he gave her siblings the same, but she really lucked out, man. She had her own kingdom. Um, and there's something about that that I think is really profound. And I do see her as the ruler of her own kingdom. And I do see her as, yeah, like a, an icy queen, for sure. But she wasn't the, the thing that was the inspiration. The thing that was the inspiration was more a kind of like fairy tale archetype kind of situation. But I think that my relationship with Hell links into that because I'm really interested in the archetype of like the, um, how can I put this? Like the icy bitch, like the cold hearted bitch woman, 
you know like well how dare she have her own ideas and how dare she not pander to what we think she ought to do like the woman that's basically not trying to make anybody feel comfortable the woman that is doing her own thing and she's not doing it to break anyone's heart she's just doing it because she doesn't see why she should have to do anything else I'm very taken with that archetype and I've been attacked for connecting with that archetype before I even knew what the word archetype meant that's how young I was um when people started to give me shit for having my own ideas and trying to do things my own way so hell definitely links into that there's a lot of different things about her that I see in me and that's definitely one of them because you're doing this snow queen reading and um so is hell the queen of this icy realm the queen of the underworld i know i'm asking a bunch of sort of different questions here but yeah i'm I'm excited about the queen thing and the snow queen reading sounds really cool yeah i see her as a queen absolutely i do yeah i see her as a ruler she rules if you look at the the tale of um of Boulder going into the underworld by mistake, essentially, and everybody in Asgard was like, "We need him back. This has all been a f- big fuck up. You've got to give him back." Um, Hell's position there was just like, in the end, her position was, "Look, at the end of the day, fair's fair. Death has no um, allegiance to anyone. It, it's um, it's classless. It is the great leveler. It will bring all of you." to your knees it doesn't matter who the fuck you are how loved you are um and i think that that's the action of a queen that is a ruler that is somebody that says i know it's tough honey bunnies you know she does say if you can get everything in asgard to cry for him i'll give him back but she knew that wasn't going to happen she knew you know what i mean she was just like look i can't give you the easy way out because he's special because he writes great poetry because he's in love with this chick that he's you know that it's a great love story i'm sorry but death is death death is death and to me, that's very queenly. And you have to do that sometimes. You have to make tough decisions, even if you really don't want to, and you'd rather be beloved. You have to sometimes say, that's not real. Yeah. I'm reading Alice Hoffman's Rules of Magic, um, which is fiction. And it's a, it's a prequel to her book, Practical Magic. And mm-hmm. uh, I, the part I just read last night was a character... I'm just paraphrasing. I can't remember exactly, but one character is complaining about like something about, you know, we're cursed and anybody we love is going to die. And another character answers her and says, well, yeah, (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. called, that's called living, you know, like everybody you love is going to die. And, uh, I'm really interested in this idea of, uh, memento mori and, and, for me, thinking about that is not a morbid thought or a shadowy thought. It's a liberating thought that brings me to a place of love. Like, you know, like, wow, so enjoy every moment. Love the people you're with. Like, this is it. Like, this is your day. This is your time. It could be the last one. Do you know what I mean? Oh, God, yeah. Death is a gift. Um, and as soon as I realized that, as soon as I realized that if I could live forever, I would never have felt anything uh, that I felt everything would just be like whatever whatever really Mm -hmm. i mean nothing would feel the same making art dancing making love none of that shit would mean anything to me like it has meant knowing that i am finite and that i actually carry death in me it's already predetermined into my cells it's not something that i can run from it's in me it will manifest it's a part of the of the plan and that is very sobering 
And that has brought me to a sense of perspective and it keeps bringing me to a sense of perspective. I'll have moments where I'll be like deathbed perspective now, Kelly, like you can't afford to be distracted by this anymore. Life is finite and it just makes everything very, very clear, very, very quickly. And I was just listening to Alan Watts this morning speaking on the shadow um, and I remember him saying, we all should meditate on death regularly. We should meditate on the images of skulls. We should meditate on the idea of our bodies rotting. And of course, he comes from, came from the Zen tradition and picked up a lot of that stuff. He's by, he's by no means the first man to say it, <laughs> probably one of the first white men to say it um, in the West. But he is a very good point. And whenever I return to him, he's always talking about focusing on death and using that as meditation. And the other thing I've been meditating a lot on recently is my own ignorance just the sheer amount that I don't fucking know or that I'm uncertain about and that also is very sobering and brings me back to a sense of like grasp this moment now and don't worry about the rest yeah yeah yes working with Saturn has been so much about that for me and it's I think that's why I have to do this month on being a planner nerd because um Saturn is you know a lot of things father time he's related to Satan which I think has to do with our fear of of death and and a lot of different things but for me it comes back a lot to father time and how time is finite you know and and mm -hmm. running out of time and what are you going to do with the time you have and my planner nerdery <laughs> has been mm -hmm. a major part of my life for a couple decades now but i would say since working with saturn it's just become so intense and I've become extraordinarily productive, but in, in new ways. It's brought my priorities to the fore and shown me like, wow, like uh, things I thought mattered were really just sort of strange habits that I had in place. And I just wanted to keep showing up because I did, I promised people I would show up and, but did that really matter to me? I don't know, it just kind of exploded my world. <laughs> And is, this, is this like to link in with Saturn return? Because that's got the same kind of energy, hasn't it? The Saturn return in yeah, astrology. No, I don't know. Saturn just last year, there were some interesting astrological things going on. And Saturn just like grabbed me and we went on a ride mm. together. And I didn't realize that a year and a half later, I would still be so into it. I thought, oh, I'll work with Saturn for a little bit. And then maybe, maybe I'll move on to Pluto or something. <laughs> and yeah. Um, no no like me and saturn are having an experience together and maybe it's yeah a, maybe it's a lifelong thing i don't know i think that you i don't know how many saturn returns you have if you i don't know if the later ones are called different things because i'm not really up on it but i know that when you're like between the ages of 25 and 30 or whatever you go through a saturn return and basically what normally tends to come out of that for people is that they get their priorities incredibly clear and they start getting more into like organizing their time and just being more, you know, I don't know, like practical and and wanting to achieve things. So when you said Saturn's made you into a planner nerd, I was like, I've got to look into the planet Saturn because some shit's going down there that's planner happy. Oh, it's so interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting. I feel like I learned a lot reading about Saturn, and if something crosses my path about Saturn, I'm all over it. But but what it I've really just been working with the energy of it and all these synchronicities. So it's kind of personal do you know what i mean it's just based yeah, on yeah. It's, it's just based on experience my next saturn returns not for a decade from now so i'm in between <laughs> yeah yeah um, but i i don't know it just it just kind of happened it's what led me around to this planner 
It's not a, a planner. It's a system, though, called the 12-week year, where every week is a month. So you, it creates this very concentrated uh, sense of, I don't know, time. <laughs> time, like every day it really, really counts when you're doing a 12-week year. And I'm on my second one right now. I'm about halfway through. And it's fascinating. It's just, oh it, cha- God, it, changes, it changes so much. And, and that, like I said, I've used the same system forever, but this just became a part of it. <laughs> so that brings me around to your Philo facts. Like, what is your system? Do you have little uh, quirks and tips and tricks that you use? Yeah, oh my god, tons. Like with the file of facts, what's so great is that you can take sections out and put sections in, you can get rid of stuff, you can change it. That was, I'll never go back to a bound book for daily planning or monthly planning now. There's no point. The file of facts allows me the liberation to change my system up when I want to change it up. If I make mistakes on a page, it doesn't matter. That page just goes in the recycling bin. So it's just saved me so much money on stationery and so much stationery related anxiety because I love shopping for stationery. But I don't know about you or anybody else listening to this, but you know when you're shopping for stationery and you just fucking know you shouldn't be because you know you've got project books at home that you have not used and you almost have to think, have I got anxiety about using them? Is it like, what am I looking for here? I've got stuff at home. I don't need this. It's just a comfort thing. You know, it's the shadow of loving stationery is, is being enslaved by it in a way. So um, the file facts stopped that now, um, which is great. So for me, at the moment, um, I've got some routines in there. So this is one thing I would really recommend. There's so much I wouldn't be able to advise. I wouldn't be able to tell you everything. There's so much good stuff that's come out of me having a file of facts. But just a few things that I will say is that I've got some routines in there. Basically, routines are breakdowns of the different tasks that are associated with a larger task. So, for example, the kitchen, doing the kitchen. My routine for doing the kitchen involves stuff like um you know wiping down the sideboards cleaning the kettle getting the lime scale out of the kettle um you know just like different stuff like making sure that the draining board has been descaled um watering the plants emptying the bread bin so there's all these different things now for most people that aren't paper planners that don't see the benefit in getting really clear on something they will just put today i'm going to do the kitchen and that's the extent of the task for them that doesn't really work for someone like me because I have, as Patty Smith once famously said, one foot in the street and one foot in the Milky Way. And the foot that's in the Milky Way is like, hey, come to the Milky Way. Never mind the kitchen. Forget the kitchen. And I get <laughs> I get like a, I'm like a pretzel. I'm all mixed up. And I'm like, what was I doing? What was I? How did I? What? What? So if I can just go down a list and be like, next task, empty the bin. Next task, check the fridge and see if it needs cleaning. Next task, are there any old sources that, you know, you can recycle the glass? This is so vital for me because it just helps me. It makes me think, what is the next right action? What is the next thing that I've got to do? And I think that a lot of people are very quick to mock, like, you know, fully grown women that have a list of things they need to do as part of a larger task. I think it's great for them that they can be so much in the realm of consensus reality. But I'm like a professional mystic. So I need these things. And I found life so much easier since I just said I need these things. I'm not ashamed of it. I need a list of stuff that can be done kind of thing. 
So routines are very, very useful and you can do them with your computer. I've got one that's for my laptop where I'm just like, basically it's about cleaning out my laptop, making sure everything's in order, making sure I've scanned any stuff that I need to scan, receipts, invoices, etc., and put them in the right folder. Like those kinds of things where you can go down the list and be like, right, okay, I've checked everything off or I've checked half off and that's good enough, whatever. Yeah. So that's one thing. You get a little dopamine hit when you check things off too. Um, so it creates, if you do that long enough, it, it creates a little, a good addiction. <laughs> yeah. A good addiction it's, that keeps you in the routine of, of responsibility, which is so not sexy, but uh, makes your life like a million times easier. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, it means that when you do want to be sexy, you can be because you haven't got loads of horrible unfinished shit on your mind. Oh, good, good point. Good point. Yeah. Oh, it's made me into such a sexier, nicer human being. <laughs> to be around for sure I'm like busy now and sparkly from having a filofax and oh. you're right there is that dopamine here and another thing I've got in my filofax at the moment is my gym sessions my gym goals that kind of thing because I'm a gym goer now I'm a gym bunny darling so I've got my month to view that shows me how many hours I spent at the gym and roughly what I did there and then a little note taker thing where I can write what what the session was like if I want to and then uh, I've got wish lists in there and all that kind of thing. And then, of course, I've got my week to view and my month to view to have a look what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you check? Do you do like a morning or a nighttime check in with yourself like to do an overview or you just keep ticking down your lists? Depends how I'm feeling, really, because lately I've changed my system. So um, for a very long time, I had a week to view. And I liked to actually, like a week on two pages, right? And uh, I liked to actually fill in every day with what I had been doing. And that worked for me for a long time. And if I hadn't been doing anything, if I'd just fallen into a scroll hole on Instagram or I'd just been <laughs> lazing around in bed, I would have to put that. That has to go in because that's what I did. And that was very motivating because I didn't want to see too many scroll hole parts of the week, right? I wanted oh. to look back. Yeah. I I, re I literally once said to my friend, I've fallen into a scroll hole. And she was like, that's what we're calling it from now on. That's it. It's the scroll hole. Everybody and it's true. Now. Everybody yeah. now. The scroll hole. Exactly. With a copyright symbol with my face next to it. I'm joking. I'm not that oh, possessive. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I think I should be, but I'm not. Um, but yeah, like, so I had to put that in there. I had to put anything I'd done in there. That worked for me for a really, really, really long time. Um... But then I started to use Acuity scheduling to schedule, have my client appointments scheduled. And that meant that I didn't have any need for paper planning for my client Skype appointments. They're online. So when I was using a week on two pages, I was copying all of my client appointments from Acuity into my paper planner to make the week on the paper planner complete. And that was just time. It was time and effort. And also, if clients rearranged or cancelled, I would have messed up my paper planner. And that was like frustrating so mm. then I was like okay this isn't working anymore and that's a message I really want to get across to planners is that if something isn't working anymore it's not working anymore the whole point of the system is that it is your system and you can change it whenever your life changes whenever something in your life changes and what you were doing is no longer relevant there's no need to be precious about it and there's no need to tell yourself you failed the system needs to evolve that's all it is and for me now, I don't need that week on two pages anymore. It's a bit difficult to let it go because they look so pretty when they've all got the stickers and the little coloured bits of writing all over them and, and that. But I don't need it anymore. So now what I have instead is I have plain paper 
and it's just one side of A5 a day. And on there, I can do anything I want. I can do checklists. I can do doodles. I can, it's just my companion page for the day because um, I don't need really to I do need to keep track of of my time and see what I've done that's what the little checklists and to-do lists are for but I don't need to keep a week on two pages because it's just I'm copying so many client appointments in there and that's not logical yeah so yeah any anything where you're being really 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 precious about your system but you're wasting time with it I would say you need to as they say in the advertising industry you need to kill your baby it's hard but it's not working anymore, is it? Do you know what I mean? So you've got to let it go. That's why I'm not a bullet journaler. Um, and I know all the bullet journals are probably yelling at me right now and throwing tomatoes <laughs> at the screen because they're so passionate about it. But it, it looks like a creative project to me. And I want my planner to serve my creative projects, but I don't want it to become a creative project. <laughs> in a, in a, do you know what I mean? Like, I want to, like, take all that creativity and put it into whatever I'm writing at the time or the podcast I'm doing. And um, so I don't know if you looked at some of the bullet journals, but they're gorgeous, a lot of them, or at least the ones that show up on Instagram. And uh, they have art a lot of time involved and, like, lots of little lists and teeny tiny Fun. yeah it's very it's very detailed oh it's very 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 fucking cute it is so cute it's... like they I, I love it i love i like a little bit of bullet journal porn but i'm not buying yes. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. um yeah i love looking at it i like the idea of it i love looking at it but i just know it's not for me and also i'm very stubborn like when if something makes its way into my system that that's a big deal. <laughs> so I've used the same system for years and it does change a little bit every year. Maybe not, maybe a couple of years it doesn't, but if, if I add something like the 12 week, week year, for example, it's a big fucking deal. <laughs> and I'll test it out first and be like, is this serving me? Is this not? Because once it's in, it's, it's kind of in, it just becomes a part of this weird planner nerd world that I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally get you. And I think it's good that you are uh, sort of cautious because once a system works, it works. And if it works for years, all the better. You know, I think that's uh, something that you should protect for sure. Um, how do you feel about Hovenichis and Fobonichis? Do you know anything about that? About, is, about that what life? is it? What is it? I don't even know what it but, is. Basically, a Hobonichi is, um, I believe it's a Japanese company. And basically, they make these books. They're like moleskins, um, but different. They've got square paper in them, as far as I'm aware. Or there might be some other, way, other ways of doing it as well. But basically, you put anything you want on there. You can, you can use like your ruler and your pens to make the page into whatever you want it to be. If you want to have a week on two pages at the beginning of every week, you do it how you want. You create it. If you just want to have some creative pages while you're away on holiday, you say, this is a creative page. I'm going to put a border here and it's going to be a creative page. So it's just like a journey that you go on yourself. Um, wow. And it's if you look at Hobonichi stuff on like, Instagram or on Google image search it is so drool worthy and exciting and lovely but I have a similar kind of feeling about it than that you have about bullet journaling in that I'm not sure I want to commit to it as a creative project and that is ultimately what it will become yes yeah which is I'm I'm sure it's amazing for some people and uh, I can see that it is I can see that it's serving their life and giving them value it's just you know, we have to pick and choose. There's all the things, all the things. You have to pick what your things are going to be. And every, every year, 
I think planner nerdery has just become such a huge industry. Like every year now, there's a whole bunch of new planners and they're all so beautiful and interesting. Um, I have a newsletter where I'm talking about this. It's half written. Hopefully I publish it before noon today, but I just spent over $130 on my planner for next year, which I think is crazy. But I was trying to find a planner that would work with a 12 week year. And there's only one at, that I could find. And I think I reached the bottom of the internet and it's, you have to buy a different book for every quarter. So you have, so I had to buy four of them and that was with a 15% discount. It came out to like $130 and something. And, uh, it's, fo I can't even think of the name of it. Michael Hyatt's focus something, but it's very plain. Uh, talk about nerd. It's like all business, but it really mm -hmm. looks like it's going to be perfect with the 12 week year. And it felt like such a commitment. It's like, whoa, I bought four of these suckers. And <laughs> because they're just for each quarter, which is a 12 week year, 13 in some cases. And uh, it's not here yet, but I'm like, I don't know. I got that weird rush because I think that's a lot of money to spend on a planner system <laughs> for one year. But um, it felt like a real commitment. Like, all right, we're in this. Me in the twelve. Yeah. Me in the twelve-week year. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that you um, felt it was a lot of money to spend, as far as you're concerned, or is it more a case of if anybody found out, or if certain people found out, I'd spent one hundred and thirty dollars on that, they would think that was crazy. No, it was definitely for me. Like, uh, like it felt like an investment, and mm. it felt like. A, a real commitment like all right if we're doing this we're doing it you know like you're gonna fill out every one of these books and really commit for a year and see how this how this serves you and works with your system and all of that so it felt like a yeah it felt like a big deal it was a personal big deal yeah it's a commitment and I think there is something very exciting about committing and, and we often have this conversation in spiritual business about investing and how like paying the money for something is symbolic. It's symbolic of your willingness to do that work. Um, and it, it seals the deal inside yourself. And that's not just something that's true of buying a course or buying a reading as opposed to only using free resources. It's also true for buying things for your personal development and for sculpting and designing your life that once you've bought them, you're like, well, I need to make this, I need to get a massive return on my financial investment here. Yes, 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 it does that. I know some people just... I'm not, I'm very specific about what I spend my money on these days. And for me, it's very, uh, yeah, I have to make it count. If I'm going to spend that much money, it's going to count. <laughs> so it has mm -hmm. that depth of commitment. But um, I know we're running out of time and you just touched on something I wanted to talk about. Uh, I'm wanting to do a theme of cyber witches in December, just talking mm. about having sharing your spirituality online and a couple things come to mind. I recently heard you say something about your, you don't really think that there's a witchy community online, which I would totally argue with you about. And I would argue that you're actually at the heart of it. And um, you have a new thing that you're selling that I think sounds really cool and a little bit different. It sounds like the shadow side, working the shadow of being a cyber witch kind of, it's called cyber heart a 90-minute audio workshop to help you get over your internet demons. Tell us about that. Um, okay, well, so I'll start with the first part of what you said. Um, 
I feel like I I feel like in that video I never said at any point that there wasn't a witchy community. What I what I said, what I hope I managed to say anyway is that it's not the whole community. Like anyone that has a like a channel on YouTube that's a witch isn't part of this big community with everybody else who's also a witch. Like in the sense that people think. So in the video I talked about how the word community is has a certain connotation to it it suggests collaboration mutual support mutual benefit the agreement consciously that people want to come together and they want to be together and i don't feel that can be sown or created just because people are witches and they make videos and therefore we're witches who make videos and that's why i think people get disappointed i do think community exists but it exists in different ways like there's different communities and they come together in different ways they overlap in different ways and there is a lot of collaboration but the overall umbrella of like every single person who's a witch on youtube doing something i don't see that as a community and i think when people start to invest in it with their heart as a community and then they see like witch wars and people throwing each other under the bus and people name dropping and name calling and excluding they get very upset but really it's just their i guess overblowing of what a community actually is does that make sense to you yeah yeah i think that's part of any community and you have to find your community within the community maybe but i yes i totally got what you were saying but i i definitely feel a sense of community and uh, even with people i don't know very well that just send me like a supportive email or mail me a card i feel like i don't know a a connection a sense of camaraderie and we have your back kind of thing but i do i don't focus on which words and stuff i just ignore all of that <laughs> but i see mm -hmm. you really actually i i said very intentionally that you are part of the heart of it because i see you constantly shouting people out like hey i'm gonna make this video about this thing but then here's five other videos about it too that i think you'll really like and like i see you reaching out to people in a way that not everybody who makes videos does and i and i see you doing things that uh, like the Snow Queen reading that you have in the video where you're talking about the Snow Queen reading that you do, you're like, hey, here's the spread. <laughs> you can do it on your own or you can hire me to do it for you. And it feels just very generous and very, um, I care about you and I think people feel that. And for me, maybe it's a matter of semantics, but for me that feels very community-like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I do. I care about my audience massively and I love to shout people out. And I one thing that really bothers me about YouTube is how such a tiny, tiny, tiny handful of people get all the shine or like the vast majority of the shine. And that's just not right. That doesn't that's I want to change that. That's why I, I want to start going live, because I want to bring people onto my channel that I think are amazing that I watch. Mm -hmm. But I think like they deserve uh, they deserve some more some more of that, some some spotlight if you if you understand me. Um, so, yeah, I do. I definitely think that's true. But what you said about community within community, I think that's where people will find more sanity and realizing that just walking into an overall massive community or scene however whatever the lexicon whatever semantically you want to call it just walking into that and expecting all of that to be wondrous is just not realistic there are communities within communities and you've got to be discerning and you've got to figure out where you find your feet 
Um, and there are going to be some people in the community that you like literally do you know what I was going to use <laughs> I was going to use a term that I sometimes use like you know uh, with my friends privately where <laughs> I wouldn't piss on them if they were a flame but that's not what I mean I just <laughs> I just mean like you know there are going to be people in the community that just literally really turn you off or actually do something horrible to you um and you have you have to accept that as well you know what I mean I guess I I guess yeah. I have a lot but you know what's really interesting you mentioned that I shout people out and that I'm supportive of other people in the community it's good that that is the overall perception that you have of me because I actually stopped doing that for pretty much a year um and I've only just started doing that again now I actually I did barely mentioned a name ever on my channel for a year I went through some shadowy shit about the whole online experience and I had to go away and deal with that shit. Um, not go away from YouTube, but go away from people and go away from giving them access to me or my platform or, um, you know, even any idea of what I thought of them or didn't think of them. And that was what was healthy for me to do. But I've come back out fighting again now. I feel all right now. I just had to do some do some stuff. So, so was, was Cyberheart born of that journey? No, Cyberheart was born of me just finding the internet a bit too Moorish. Um, so Cyberheart is not really, first of all, it's not witch specific. It's actually broader than that. It's for people that find themselves scrolling aimlessly. It's for people that find themselves getting obsessed with doing research on something, whether it matters or not. Um, it's for people that find that when they come off the internet, they just feel like shit and they haven't really done anything useful. Um, it's for those kind. It's for people with those kinds of issues, really. And it's not specifically about um, being a witch on the internet. Although I do focus on how we need to learn to use spiritual tools to cope with things like internet addiction and internet fatigue. And I think a lot of people aren't even considering that and I didn't consider that for a really long time because I didn't associate and this is something I think everybody goes through I didn't associate my issue with the internet with my spiritual development or my personal growth I just those two things didn't make sense just like in my early 20s I couldn't associate money with my spiritual growth I was like money and spirituality they don't go together and I was I was in that paradigm for a long time then I finally hit my late 20s and was like I have scarcity issues and I have a lot of fucked up money stuff running through the generations of my family and the only way I'm going to take this in hand is at the altar is a spiritual thing so I had another like dialogue with myself um over the last year about like look what you're doing with the internet the relationship you're having with it the way that you find yourself at 3 a.m with 15 different fucking tabs open researching all kinds of shit that means nothing that's getting you nowhere you need to meet that out spiritually kelly that is not healthy and um that's where Cyberheart came from it's kind of just delivering a few things that worked for me huh it's the scroll hole yeah, oh my, yeah, that scroll hole. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Nice. Okay, cool. So that's an audio journey that they can go on, basically, right? Yeah, and I've got more ideas as well that I'm planning to put into a video soon. Just a little one to announce Cyberheart and let people know they can get it and give a few other tips that I didn't 
place into the body of that that I also want people to have. So I really want people to have as many tools and resources as they can. But CyberHeart is a three-part workshop where I encourage you to identify the issues, get deeply into different things you can do, and also try to figure out why some of these issues exist. So for example, you know, if you are, it's really to do with that dopamine hit. It's to do with positive, uh, sorry, negative flow, which is where you think you've got this lovely flow like the flow that you get from making a piece of art or decluttering your home but it's negative flow it's addictive it's crappy and it's really about looking at why that's existing so for example if you're addicted to research is it because you feel very unstable in the world and you feel like you need a sense of control and you need to feel like you know what's going to happen next um you know or if you are addicted to drama is it because there is a lack of excitement in your personal life and in your sense of psychodrama so it's looking at how you can have a look at what's going wrong in your life and how that's manifesting itself in your relationship with the internet yeah all good things all good where can people get the snow queen reading or the cyber uh heart workshop Everything is everything's on kelly-anmaddox.com. Um, the Snow Queen reading is in my Yule and Christmas options, and Cyberheart is in my Tools for Self Development. Um, and you'll find both of them in the What's New section anyway, because they're new. Anything that's new, you can also find it in What's New, just for me to be helpful. I like to put everything new together. Cool, cool. So um, I, I told you we'd keep this under an hour, and I'm racing to do that. I'm so disappointed in time. Yeah, me too. Speaking of time, I'm just like, but there's so much I want to talk about. So I'm going to, um, I usually, and I'm sure in other interviews I've asked you this, so I'm going to switch it up. I usually end by what's your one tip for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. But I really want to talk about um, queen stuff because you are the four queens forever and you have this snow queen reading now. <laughs> so I'm going to manipulate the question a little bit and say, what is not the one tip, but one tip for really becoming the queen of your own life? Wow, that's such a good question. Um, for me, uh, there's so many things that I could say. There's so many different directions that I could take it in. But I feel like, for me, one thing that comes through very strongly is you've got to have mirrors. So earlier, before, when we were talking about how our experience as pantheists of of having a relationship with personified deity is more about recognizing that archetypes are a part of the collective unconscious and the collective unconscious is inbuilt. You know, Jung taught that we all are downloaded with it. We all have access to it. And that kind of comes out in our dreams, comes out in the stories we tell century after century. Groups of humans that never even met each other have the same framework for their mythological systems. It's, it's downloaded. So I think that when we're looking to experience sovereignty and queendom within ourselves, one of the best things to do is to look at what you think a queen is. Um, you can use different images of what a queen is and what it means to be sovereign, what it means to be independent. Where can you find that? If you find that in Beyonce, use Beyonce. Um, I find that in Joan of Arc. She's the first woman I look at every morning apart from myself. I sit at my altar I've got a mirror there and a picture of her right in front of me. Um, and I just see her as in someone that instantly reminds me like, hey, you're sovereign, you're independent. You're, when you put your head on the pillow tonight, you're going to know you had a good day, a productive day where you did something meaningful. You know, so I think it is about mirrors and I think it is about recognizing that archetypes are so powerful. And whenever I go through this kind of exploration with clients, there are very often instances where a client is like, 
uh, it's a fictional character from a book, but I can't have that. And I'm like, you can, you can have that. Or they're like, oh, it's a video game character. Or I've heard people say all sorts over the years. I've been speaking to people personally and professionally about this stuff where they're like, oh, you know, it's uh, Mary Poppins, but I can't have Mary Poppins. It's like, you fucking can get Mary Poppins on your altar. You know, whatever you need to look at that reminds you that you have the spark of that within you. Mary Poppins was just an example, by the way. No one has said that to me and I have not broken confidentiality. (laughs) (laughs) Mary Poppins is just one of mine. You know what I mean? But but yeah, mirrors. I think mirrors are great. If you really want to experience being a queen and you feel like you're not there, find the queen. Is she in hip hop? Is she in the art world? Get her. Really embody her. Borrow her energy. Not literally in a vampiric way, but in a magical way through psychodrama. Yes. Oprah is one of my queens. I every day walking out of my bedroom, I have a picture of her. It says, think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is just another stepping stone to greatness. And uh, yeah, I think what I'm doing is mirroring back at me the kind of queen I want to be and the kind of queen that I know I'm capable of that is hanging out in me somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Oprah's amazing. And it's it's true. You are only just mirroring. It's like, it's not got anything to do with veneration or hierarchy. It's not about looking at something, whether it's Oprah, whether it's the Queen of Swords, you know, whether it's Nicki Minaj. It's not about looking at that person and going, I wish I could be them. They're so much better than me. It's just about saying, I've got something to give in the world too. Like, let me get that spark of inspiration and let me lead. Let me allow that to lead me to what's inside me that I have to harness. This was so fabulous. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you for having me. It has been lovely. It's awesome. Bye, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this. Go visit kelly-annmaddox.com. Did I get that right? Yes, that's right. Thank you. Okay, Kelly and Maddox, but there's a hyphen in between the Kelly and the Ann. Don't forget to put that in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, much love, everybody. <laughs> Peace. Bye. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.